Well, good morning, everybody. So there is a lot going on, but let me just draw your attention to uh, why that kind of makes sense in um, the midst of what's going on now. Back on uh, September 16th, uh, on our Vision Day, we, after months of conversation, uh, said that we wanted to focus on inside of this year, next year becoming a, a better connected, uh, healthier uh, version of uh, St. John's inside of this community to reach and have an impact in the world around us. And so this year is about uh, connections, and when you boil that down, it is about devotion. And so that is why we have structured November in this way. Acts 2.42 says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to prayer. And so it is not surprising then that Rob stands before you uh, burdened with uh, the desire to reach men and uh, to find a place where men can gather and, and to pray and to be, get real and to work through, uh, to grow, to become more devoted. They devoted themselves. And so we want to focus on that word for these uh, four weeks that we're together. Now, there is a lot going on. In fact, we should probably just take a moment and just exhale and just relax a little bit. You've heard a lot already uh, that's taken place even just through our announcements. Uh, by the way, not only is today Veterans Day, and we have the privilege of Veterans Day being on a Sunday this year, but today is also Steve Ruff's birthday, so uh, that's awesome. He needs you all to recognize it here because that is such a secondary event inside of his home these, these, these days, so uh, uh, he needs your love here because um, there are a number of things that are, that are upcoming that I think all flow out of what it means to be a healthy church together. And so when we mention things like uh, food boxes for th Thanksgiving, uh, that comes right on the heels of a spaghetti dinner uh, fundraiser of efforts that are taking place, even the communion offering today that goes towards the Ministry of Social Concerns. Uh, we have uh, a mandate, we have a mission inside of this community. And so thanks for your faithfulness to that. When we talk about what it means to, to surround even uh, our veterans, and some of them stood before you, but there are others who come back and uh, they're in need of something that only the local church can provide. When we talk about a Thanksgiving Eve service that's coming up, and that didn't even make our announcements yet, but I'm just trying to highlight some of the things that are taking place. Uh, we pause as a people to give thanks, and it's best when we do that together. We have a men's retreat coming up. We have Operation Christmas Child boxes that are currently taking place. By the way, there was a yard sale that raised uh, $3,900 in the area of missions. Uh, even as we uh, think about how to best steward not just our property with the trustees work day, but to steward the resources God has given us in a strategic giving seminar. Uh, we are also trying to put together a directory that helps us relationally connect with one another. There are a number of things that are taking place, but all for th this idea of how do we become God's family together? How do we uh, nurture, support, encourage, uh, grow, reach out? How do we do the things that God is calling us to do? And so one last commercial break before we uh, jump into the message of the, the morning. You have heard us mention a few times about push pay, and now you see that inside of your bulletin. We are transitioning from Easy Tithe, which was the, the company that we had been using and working through for online giving, uh, to push pay. And push pay is um, the largest, uh, it's the most widely used uh, church uh, giving software and, and, and product. Uh, it is phenomenal. If you've had a positive experience with Easy Tithe, I think you'll find push pay even easier. If you had a negative experience with Easy Tithe, I want to invite you to give PushPay a try. Uh, there are a variety of ways to do that. I think we have a couple of screenshots. You can just go right through the website 
uh, by clicking the, the give link, uh, and then it'll take you to a page that's extremely easy uh, about how to give. You can't read the text that's there, but that's just uh, focusing through how to get eventually to the giving page uh, through PushPay that allows you either to set up a, uh, an, an automatic, uh, like a one-time gift or a recurring gift. Now, inside of this, we're not talking about money today, even though you've heard two announcements about money, but now we're, we're done on that aspect of things. Uh, what we want to do is try to make it uh, easier, simpler, more ways for us to connect with one another, but also with mission inside of the community. And so there are a variety of things that you'll be hearing that come out of Vision Day that are just small little things, but they're not just random programs or events or initiatives, but uh, part of what we're thinking through as we try to get uh, streamlined and strategic in how we go about the mission that God has entrusted to us here inside of this community. And so Acts chapter 2, uh, 22, or 42 to 47, the passage for this entire series, yes, you heard it last week, I was away, I did get the memo from Bill that that's what he was preaching on, and yet we're still doing this anyway, uh, this is not a miscommunication. Uh, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Each day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. By the way, you should probably have this passage memorized by the end of the month because you're going to get two more weeks out of it. Uh, but as we focused on the 16th of September, and we said that what would it look like, imagine an Acts 2.42 church where prayer and fellowship and teaching and, and the breaking of bread that are oneness together would make a difference in the world outside of us. And so it's not just a holy huddle for a year that let's become better connected, let's have fun, let's have some more potlucks, let's do some things that are going to make life better for us, but that's all for the purpose of that the world might know the God that we serve because they see something in us. And whether that us is your Bible study group, we want your Bible study group to be healthy and to be connected and to not just go through the motions. We want morning worship to be healthy and connected and and a place that, that somebody coming in for the first time or for the 800th time finds a place to connect with other people and with their God. What that looks like inside of our homes, that the way in which we uh, handle conflict and difficulty, or the way in which we just handle normal everyday life where everything is going great, points to the fact that there is a God that we serve, and might that God be visible through our lives in all aspects. And so that's what we're talking about over these four weeks. Last week we talked about, we kind of began with the individual person. And so we went from, what, what's it mean to have a devoted faith? And, and Bill led us in that, what does it mean to be devoted? And through three characters, Mary and Abraham and Paul, uh, offered up what it means that there's a humble extravagance that we found through Mary, and there's a sacrificial obedience through the life of Abraham, and there's an uncompromising courage that we see in the Apostle Paul. That to, to be devoted to something or someone requires that our attention shifts and there's a priority inside of our life towards that thing, towards that person. And so Bill ended that by saying, where can I grow, where can we grow inside of our devotion? 
And how can we demonstrate that devotion in other areas of our lives? When you think devotion, you could stop there. And for many of us, we do, and for many in the church, we do, that we think of faith as an individual thing. Think about it, you know, that we read the Bible, and most of the time we read the Bible by ourselves. Most of the time, even if we're in community, we make personal application, and that's a good thing. We read the Bible in such a way that we think it's just about God and us, and and I think in a way that's wonderful because there was a time inside of the church that was just, if I belong to the church, and if I listen to the priest, and if it's all external, but if I just offer myself to it, it must mean that it's active inside of our lives. And yet, for most of us, what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus means it is about me and him. That he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I'm his own, and the joy that we share, no other has ever known. But you know that you live inside of community, whether you like it or not, and so when the word family appears... I often think that my dad used to say, you can pick your friends, but you're stuck with your family. And so, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. No, that's, uh, that's just <laughs> kind of for good or bad, like our family is our family, but that is a context. So do not tell me what God is doing inside of your life personally, but that cannot be something that you take home with you. It's easy to be involved in church. In fact, let me add one or two more Bible stu- studies to my week because it's easy to be a Christian at church. It's hard to be a Christian at home. I think that's precisely the point, that this is something that has to be lived out. And so what today is not, I am not going to give you, and and there's merit for this, and we should maybe have a separate session on this, but this is not the five ways that you can be more devoted to your family. It's not one of those kind of messages. And, And again, there's a place for that. But I think sometimes we know those right answers, but sometimes we get caught in this idea that when there's a message on the family, I'm going to go home feeling guilty because, after all, I I really should be reading my Bible more, and I should be spending time with each and every one of my kids, and I should be tripling the number of time that I pray for my grandkids, and I should do all these different things, and I'm barely staying afloat with what I have to do now. And so rather than, like, heaping on this list of what it means to put things in proper perspective or order, I want to talk for a little bit this morning before we enter into communion of what it means to be the family of God together how that makes a difference inside of my life, but then through me, inside of not just my family, but to the families inside of my community, that it's part of the mission that God has placed inside of my life. You know, at times we have this ranking list, and we say that we want to be devoted, you know, to our marriage and to our kids and to our workplace and, you know, to things in, you know, these civic organizations that I'm a part of. And then we've kind of spiritualized that where we come along and say God is number one, and then through that, my spouse is number two, my kids are number three. Maybe I'm just splitting hairs, but I think there's a better way to say that. My supreme devotion, that when we talk devotion, the primary thing we want to talk about is my devotion to the God who made me, the God who loves me, and the God who has a plan for my life. That is the place that we begin and we end when we talk about devotion. Not that we're not devoted to other things, but those things only find their proper placement inside of our devotion to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the ultimate ending of your life. It's the very beginning, whether you recognize it or not, of your existence is found in Christ. But when we're devoted to Christ, that makes a difference in the four things that we're talking about. Our faith, our personal relationship with him, our families. Next week, now I'm going to take a mental note of all of you who are here. You don't get a a chance to miss this because I say this word. Our finances, we're going to talk about next week. Uh, Next week is Monday. There's never... 
It, always, it never fails that there's always somebody that attends for the first time on money day. And, and they can always go home and say that church, all they do is talk about money. Well, to my knowledge, we've not really talked about money so far this year. So you all see this. I know that you're here today. You're not going to miss next week just because we're talking about money, right? Is there an amen? In the, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> and then finally, week number four, our future. And so inside of faith, inside of family, finances, and, and future, what does it look like to be devoted? What's it look like to, to live that out? My devotion to Christ for the sake of my family. Not my devotion to Christ first and then secondly my family, but my devotion to Christ and that as it extends in the context of my family, what does that look like? And so in the book of Acts chapter 2, the early church expands and you read through and there's this revivalist mentality that we almost picture Jerusalem in the days of Acts chapter 2 like an old-fashioned camp meeting where people are gathered around and, and there's tents around and the temple's in the middle and they're just hanging out by the fire and it's just this wonderful God moment that never seems to end. Perhaps it's like a monastery where they've all left their current life to go and be a part of the church, which means I can't possibly continue to do all the things that I'm doing. I'm going to go and join this new thing that's taken place that consumes my life. Masses of people... We don't even know what to do with the numbers in the book of Acts when 2,000 or 4,000 people come to know Christ. But you know, they still lived. They still worked. They still ate. They still slept. They did everything that they had done, but now in the context of what it meant to know Jesus first and foremost inside of their lives. Acts chapter 2, verse 47, that they were in the temple courts. And they broke bread in one another's homes. You move through the book of Acts in chapter 5, it says that day to day as they went from the temple courts and house to house, the word of God was proclaimed and taught. In Acts chapter 8, that Saul, when he begins to arrest Christians, goes from house to house. In Acts chapter 11 and 16, we read of Lydia and the Philippian jailer and the house of Cornelius where it says they and their households believed. Acts chapter 18, Crispus and his entire household believed on the, on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's this aspect, we don't have many individuals that we meet in Acts because it is, you know, Paul goes to a town and, and preaches and there are a no, number of people who are converted and there's opposition and he leaves and he goes to another town. And so as personal as Acts is in terms of numbers and people and places, we don't get a whole lot of personal stories, but when you get a personal story, it is rarely just a singular entity of a person. That the word of God came to Mikeville, and Mikeville accepted it and believed it, and it changed his life. And by the way, we're not even going to mention the other people inside of his life. But when it says things like his household believed, there's this aspect that faith is not just a me thing, but it's a we thing. And so for anything to be authentic, you've heard me mention this quote from Leonard Sweet, for anything to be authentic, it must be local. Meaning, if, if you want to prove to me what God is doing inside of your life, take me to the people who know you best and let me hear their testimony about your life. And that kind of is hardcore because lives are messy, relationships are messy, and the people who are closest to me get a front row seat to that mess. But I think the, the people closest to me also get a front row seat to what God is doing inside of my character and my personality and where that's bearing out, and where the rough edges are being sanded down. 
And maybe if you want to find a place where there's proof of what God is doing inside of your life, that test comes from the people who know you best. A few things before we move towards communion, and my time is short this morning, so I'll try to run through these. They're somewhat obvious, but I think we need to be reminded this November, as a church and as individuals and as families, of where this lies. The first is that faith must be personal, but it is never solo. Again, we read through the Gospels, and it's 12 guys who have left everything to follow Jesus, and they're walking around, and, and it seems like this summer camp type of experience. But the Gospel is real-life penetrating. It's not as individualistic as it seems. And so sometimes there's a gap. There's a gap between who I am in one sphere of my life and who I am in another. There's a gap between what I believe and what I actually live out. And that's, that's true in, in all of our lives. I hope that there's a growing edge inside of you that the things that you are listening to on, on the radio as far as music or the things that you're reading inside of scripture or the testimonies you hear in somebody else, I hope that there is a gap. Because if there is no gap, then I'm just content and complacent where I am. Or it means you're the most holy person on the planet and I want to meet you after the service. But I, th I hope that there is a gap. Because there's always a growing edge to our faith. There's always a place that we feel undone. There's always a place that we can walk with God in grace and, and in the peace of knowing that we don't have to measure up, but also knowing that he is still at work in me. And if he's still at work in me, then it means that there's a gap between where I am and where he wants me between what I know to be true and what I actually live out inside of my life. The question becomes, how wide is that gap? The question is not whether there is a gap. We all want to be authentic and transparent people, but let's be honest, there is and there should be this place that we're not yet where we think we ought to be, but how tight is that gap? Bob Goff, who is a, a popular author and speaker, and maybe you've read the book uh, Love Does or Everybody Always, and he has a story that I won't go into about, you know, meeting a, uh, a guy at a, a rental car shop that had been to one of his services the night before, and he was uh, extremely frustrated. He had actually missed his flight, and then he, he said it got to the point that it, he realized if the guy at the back of the rental car line is not the same person as the guy who's speaking up front, then I either need to quit driving or quit speaking. There is somewhat of a gap, and we know that I am not the same person at the back of a rental car line that I am in front of you right now. I'll be honest about that. There are different emotions. There's different things. I don't have it carefully you know, written down. I have not researched that moment inside of my life. But how wide is the gap between who you are, who you want to be, and I don't mean this with any disrespect, but sometimes who we pretend to be, in the holy spheres inside of our life and who we are in the very practical everyday reality and again i hope that there is somewhat of a gap because that means there's growth to happen but how wide are we comfortable with that gap being your faith the litmus test is found inside the lives of the people who know you best number two we have to work twice as hard today to build community inside of our lives we have to work twice as hard at it Communities are not what they were. Now, last week, I had not planned to do this, but Bill inspired me. Uh, you saw a picture last week, and I want to give you a picture of Mike in sixth grade. Um, I was very serious back then. It's a good thing that's changed a lot. You know, like, I didn't really, you know, smile a whole lot. Um, 
That was an awesome shirt. I don't have nearly the hairstyle that Phil did, but I had hair then, so I think that's, that, that's remarkable enough. Do you know that Mike in sixth grade, and I grew up, I'm a bit younger probably than most of you here, but yet you could resonate with this. I knew every one of my neighbors. My neighbors had the permission to yell at me at the same rate of intensity that my parents did. We played football in Mr. Mr. Walls's yard, all the neighborhood kids, and we didn't dare fight or do anything bad there because we knew that Mr. Walls would tell our parents. I could walk into my friends' homes, and they could walk into mine. There was something different, even when I first came to know Christ, and this was in the early 90s. There was something about community that was much, it seemed like it was easier to cultivate. Nowadays, most of us, if, if we're to be honest, unless you've lived in a very stable neighborhood, we probably don't know the majority of our neighbors. Most of us, we have six-foot privacy fences. We have garages that we drive into. Just the scope of our world looks different. We've never been more connected by mobile devices, and yet we've never been more disconnected in terms of vital, authentic, personal relationships. It doesn't mean that life has changed and we can just push that to the side. Community is still valued, not just inside of scripture, but inside of every study that you would pick up. We just have to work twice as hard at it. Which means you have to allow people inside of your life. You have to allow people behind the curtain inside of your family's life. You have to allow people to help. Here, here's a statement for you that meddling is uninvited help. We don't want to be people who meddled. Entitlement is expected help, meaning that you have to help me. But community is life together where we engage willingly and voluntarily and, and reciprocally inside the lives of other people. Because at the end of the day, family issues are church issues. Because the church is made up of families. And it's our community in which God has placed us to make a difference. I read the other week that churches that grow in this day and age will grow because of an intentional and excellent family ministry. Churches that grow in this day and age, it's not about awesome preaching or awesome music anymore because you could find that online or other places. But there's something that happens inside the rooms where children gather and where youth gather. That when we come alongside the needs of young families, when we come alongside the issues of families at every, any age, that there is something that the local church can offer that no one else inside of society can offer at the moment. And it's about this being what it could be. We don't devalue community. We become more focused and fanatical about community today because it's so much harder and we have to work doubly hard at it. And so whether, so whether it's an issue of aging or grandparents raising grandkids or adults caring for parents or parents guiding adult children or empty nesters or parents of teens, or parents of elementary kids, or parents of toddlers, or newly married, or not yet married, or college kids, or children and youth, or even perhaps the greatest family issue could be when there is no family, the church has to step in. Because we are in the people business. Sometimes we think we're in the truth business. But that's not something that's up, up for debate. Yes, we rest on the truth, but we are in the, the people business because people don't walk through the door saying, I want to know what is true. People walk through the door of the felt need of saying, is there anybody out there who could care about me, a place where I could connect, where my kids could connect? When you wrap your arms around people, they're open to truth. 
But no one out there is on a truth quest. They're on a life quest. And it's our responsibility to come alongside of them. All right, I got to get on to the third point to, to get this picture off the screen. <laughs> our mission as a church is to come alongside of families. Church at most can offer one hour a week, maybe if you're super involved, four hours a week. Most likely, given current attendance trends, about two to four hours a month, a family will find themselves in church. And yet at home, it's about four hours a day. So we need to resource and come alongside parents and grandparents. Not that they outsource the raising of their kids to the church, but there's a partnership that takes place. Intentional connectedness to make a difference. Our staff attended a conference a few weeks ago called the Orange Conference. And what orange, the color orange, is based on is red and yellow. And so it's red, the love of family, and light, the, or yellow, the light of the church, that when they come together, there's a powerful partnership that takes place. And that's where the, the company Orange and the curriculum Orange came about. That every kid would have a parent who loves and engages inside of their life, but also every kid would have an adult outside of their parents who's committed and shows up for them every week. That's why we do kids' ministry and youth ministry. And if those days are long past you, you can still make a difference inside the life of a kid by your support of the ministries of those church, of those inside of our church. For anything to be authentic, it must be local. Now, there are 44 days till Christmas. There are 11 days till Thanksgiving. Way more than the, the pies and the presents and the events and the family get-togethers. I want you to think about the context of your family, but then as you are called to make a difference inside the lives of others. What would it look like to be more intentional at home? Not necessarily more time, not necessarily, you know, doubling the, the stuff that you're doing or adding to your to-do list, not fixing every problem or doing more, but what would it look like to be more intentional at home? What would it look like to be more connected at church inside the mission that God has called us to be about? And then a couple of ways to make that extremely practical for us. The first is the mess. We all have broken, messy situations inside of our lives, inside of our families. We want to be people who walk towards the mess, not away from us. We want to be people who walk towards the hurting, walk towards the broken, not away from it. And maybe the question there is, how can I help? Not how can I fix it, not can I, how I tell you all the ways that you messed up, all the ways that you've done wrong, but how can I help? Then we all have people who are disconnected from God and from the church, who are in need of Jesus. And maybe the question there is, how and who can I invite? There are a number of things to invite to coming up, in terms of Christmas Eve, in terms of Thanksgiving Eve, cantata, uh, church. People are receptive to an invitation at Christmas, perhaps more than any other time throughout the year. How can I help and who can I invite? Because at the end of the day, what we do here inside of this room, the way in which we treat one another, the way in which we pe treat people outside of these walls, declares more about the reality of who God is than what we believe or our attendance record or what we give or what we say, but how we engage inside the lives of the people around us. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you've placed us in the context of relationships. And that's hard, that's difficult, oftentimes that's messy. 
But Lord, over the next 44 days, would you give us the wisdom and the clarity and the courage to engage? And Father, now as we head towards the close of this morning, where we take together a, a cup and a piece of bread that remind us of your great love for us, we thank you today that we're a part of the family of God. We're grateful today that you have done the work to run 99% of the way towards us and all you want is for us just to turn in your direction. We're grateful today for salvation and for life in Jesus. And our prayer is that what starts with me doesn't end with me. That what starts with me makes a difference outside of me. That what you're doing inside of my life spills over to the places that you have placed me inside of family, inside of church, inside of ministry. So Lord, would you meet with us now if there are, are things that you want to speak, Lord, we're open to hearing from you. If there's places inside of our lives that you want to redirect, we invite your spirit to be active inside of our lives as we receive uh, the elements of communion. We ask that you would come, that you would meet with us now inside of these moments. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me invite you this morning, you're going to be led by the ushers to come down front to receive uh, the cup, to receive the bread, and to receive those together. There's an offering basket, again, for the, mission, the uh, communion offering for social concerns this month. But I ask the question, what God is doing in me, is it making a difference outside of me? And might that be our prayer today as we gear up for what the next 44 days look like inside of our lives. It's what's taking place in me making a difference outside of me. You don't have to be a member of St. John's to receive communion, but uh, the intent of your heart is to seek him, to follow him, uh, to be devoted to the one who gave his life for you. At this time, would the ushers please come forward as well as those who are uh, assisting us this morning. <laughs> 